Hello, welcome to episode number 280 of the Applog Podcast. I am your host, Simon Head. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by AIXDSP.com. Get affordable and useful plugins. Those are two important words, affordable and useful. Get the IC Intuition Compressor. It's a compressor that gives you a clear and intuitive visual display that shows exactly what is happening in your audio at all times. Click the link in the description for more information. If you like shopping on Amazon, you can do it and support the show. Did you say that? Yes, I did. Go to applelog.ca slash Amazon or applelog.ca slash US Amazon. You can also go off off the homepage, which is at applelog.ca, and click on those banners located on the right side. Locate your country, whether you're from Canada, the United Mistakes, or the UK. Bookmark those links, and every time you shop on Amazon, use the links to shop and support the show. Cost you no extra money. You can support my work on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash You can pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with hosting and gas fees, and you can cancel any time. Go buy a t-shirt, applelog.ca slash shop. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. Give it five stars, please. Like and share on Facebook as well by going to facebook.com slash Follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. Oh, today is a special day, being Monday. Today is a day that I have completed. I would have completed the series of SNFU interviewees, being the last one being with Davey Boris. Dave Reese was the drummer of SNFU in the early 90s until about to 1997 or 8, I think. Uh, in, in that run... They put out three great records on Epitaph and, and an EP and a lively album. They did a lot of touring, and it was the busiest that SNFU were ever in that time of Dave playing drums. And this is also what makes it very important to me is that it's the time when I toured with SNFU. And I would relentlessly set up Dave's kit every night, do sound check, you know, tear it down at the end of the night. And we did some long drives together. This is um, one of my favorite episodes and one of my favorite people of all time. Dave Reese, everybody on the Applog Podcast. Enjoy. Yeah, Al, Al Nolan was the, the 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 catalyst of our meeting. Wow! Mm-hmm. Wow! Well, happy birthday, Al. That's right. It's his birthday today. Oh, <laughs> I haven't. I hey, again. Is this happening? Is this this is all happy? Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Is yeah. It? it sounds great. Yeah. Okay. Great, dude. I like your setup there. I like the uh, like what you got going. I got stuff. Boom, Boom mics. I got stuff. I got stuff over yeah. here. Sweet. Stuff over there. Oh, wait. Stuff down there. I got lots of stuff. I got, I've, I've been gathering stuff for years. And uh, I love it. I've actually, all the stuff I had like back like 20 years ago, the, all I have now is mic stands and right. cables. Like everything is. Yeah. <laughs> everything has been completely. I was talking to a kid the other day who was helping me set up a show. With my mic stands, he goes. I goes. I bet you these mic stands are older than you. I, I've only since 1995. He goes. I was born in 1996. I'm like, fuck, fuck. 
Yeah, man. I still have all, all the old SNFU road cases. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I can't let them go. You know what I mean? What, no. what if? What if I need those? What if you need to tour uh, on the road? What if I need to hit the fucking road again, man? <laughs> we all have to one day. You know what I mean? Like, you never know. I was thinking about it at the start of all this. I go, well, who do I know that can help me? Like, because of you know the situation, and and then I realized, wait a minute, nobody can. Like, everybody is on tour, is not on yeah. tour. And anybody who can help me is trying to save themselves. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> brutal. Brutal. It's brutal. crazy times, dude. It's fucking crazy times, man. I know. This, is, this is unprecedented, man. Uh, you know, I'm really thinking about a lot of, a lot of musicians, a lot of technicians, a lot of, yeah. you know, all my, all my old friends out there who were uh, trying to get through this shit. And it's, uh, I'm lucky. I've managed to keep, I keep working through this. Um, Business took a hit, but I, I work from home. I worked from home for the last four years, so it wasn't really. I was already here. Yeah, um, I'm already fucking private, anyways, and I don't like to go out. So this, you know what I mean. But it was. Uh, I'm just thinking about all the people out of work and what the fuck, man. Like thinking of, like the last live show I went to. Yeah. Like fuck. Yeah. Dude, I, when, when's it come back? You know. Yeah. You know what? The people are saying that we might never get back to where we were, like ever. I know. It's hard to say, and it's a bit of a bummer, but. I mean, we lived in a time where, I mean, eventually this is going to happen. I mean, it's it, it's yeah. in every movie, like in all the movies, the movies where the zombies take over, like True. that's usually where we go. It's the sort of like the sign of things like Star Trek was the sign of all things sci-fi. Right. Zombie movies are what's going to happen in our, uh, in our lifetime, I think. Yeah, we, we we did a little uh, through through the company I work with now. Uh, we did a little documentary last year, last year, the year before, maybe. Yeah, yeah beginning of last year on fear yeah it was all about modern day fear and what people are what people are scared of and nobody mentioned a virus yeah a fucking virus <laughs> no one was like i'm fucking scared of a virus they're all like privacy security uh you know just that, that kind of shit that modern kind of you know but nobody said virus man so well you it need, you need it, to- I felt, it felt like a, it felt like a zombie yeah movie for sure watching you, the news you need to do a recut you have to do a recut but it involves <laughs> like that eagles documentary that never ends there's one that goes and it's like the first day, hour and a half and you're like yeah, it's like three hours yeah it's a two-parter yeah. like whoa okay oh shit there's there's a lot going on here like you know but you need yeah. to do a recut now and a re a re-edit on how yeah i mean i what's thought that crazy? what's that crazy that the, the I, I i i love fucking documentaries man i love doc. there's so many good docs now and yeah. but i love watching band docs and it's uh the eagles one was no shortage of fucking you know controversy and the oh. shit they were saying at the end remember they oh, were saying, i'm gonna fucking kill you <laughs> and then he left the guitar player you know did the solo for yeah. i can't remember his name did the solo on uh hotel california wrote that fucking amazing solo yeah that was the last show he ever he just left he got in a car fucking yeah beeline out of there felter felter i think his name is well, Glenn Fry was gonna beat the shit out of him yeah that was the thing where they, it's all from the live album where it's like the you can hear them talking like I'm gonna kill you. Like I'm ready. Like let's go anytime, dude. Um, there's some great moments. Like I mean, you talk about a band. Like I mean, Jesus Christ. Like obviously, you you know, you've been in bands your whole life, but to live on that level of like complete and utter like excess, but then have your ego, and then have people, all the yes men. And telling you like, hey, you know, you should be blah 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 blah, and you yeah, know, dude. yeah, different level, man. When when you were that kind of level, when you're like, just you know, you're on so high up, you know, I, I always have admiration for bands that are like can somehow stick it out and yeah. 
the same people in the band for that fucking long. And and even though you're successful, you got all the money in the world, you got all that shit, it's still fucking hard, man. Oh it's yeah. Like you're you 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 might hate everybody else in the band, but you gotta do it. Yeah. Know? Definitely. There's a time where you like, obviously you, you start a band and you're all excited and then you become successful. It, where is that bridge between it's, um, it's a fun thing that for the love to like, Oh shit, we got to get along now. Like the metal, <laughs> like Metallica or something where it was like that we got to, I don't like you. Like I never did. And now we're in a band together. Like how I'm sure there's a dollar figure that, 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 yeah. al- that allows someone to say, well, I could get my own tour bus or my own hotel in a different area to yeah, be away dude. from Axel. But then how do you, you know, <laughs> it's a, <laughs> uh, it's a daunting thing to think like I met Mick Fleetwood like years ago and he told me stories about like how, you know, Stevie Nicks would have her room painted like every night with a piano wow. put in it every night. <laughs> painted dove white and have That's a baby rock, grand dude. piano put in the thing and go sometimes we're on the 20th floor like it was a thing yeah. like hiring cranes and things to get to get all this shit together for stevie nicks you know that's that's great that, i think there's i haven't seen a doc on them but there's another obviously a great metallica doc talking oh. about people getting along or not some kind of monster yeah that i saw that one and i think Was they re therapy? they re-edited that i'm pretty sure they did because i saw it when it first came out and they talk about like lars Ulrich starts crying like he's quit the band and I, <laughs> he just left he took off he i don't think that's in, i don't think it's in the newer version of it because i watched oh, okay. it front to back and i'm like i love the part where lars Ulrich is crying i want to see that again because that was funny um so that hit the cut, cutting room floor i think one? so <laughs> lars is like that makes me look like pussy uh, could you take that yeah. out <laughs> Yeah, I love the part of that that one with the therapist guys in there. You know, and he's he yeah. starts like giving notes on the fucking songs, and here's some lyrics I came up with. There's oh, you know, you're like hey, easy, buddy. Yeah, easy. Whoa, you know. <laughs> yeah. Did you? I mean, it, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. It's it's a thing where to have a camera on you and to try to be normal. I guess that's these things. Like, if it, you were me yeah. and anything, and we're trying to do something, we'd be like hello, I'm just going, you know, it would be so oh, yeah, shitty, yeah. fake and weird, but their whole life has had a camera on them. So I guess they can kind of get past the part where there's a, there's a lens, yeah. you know, a big lens in their whole, you know, their whole. Very true, game. man. Yeah. I, 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 there's something to say. I mean, even if it's the work that I do now, um, we do a lot of filming, we, you know, and that sort of stuff. Not, not so much right now, but we yeah. used to, now it's more virtual and video diary type things, but yeah. People, people are way more with a video diary, and if there's filming on their phone or a flip cam or a GoPro, yeah. way more open, way more real. As soon as you bring a crew in and stick a camera in someone's face, they start acting. They start going, I don't know what to, I don't even know who I am. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's really interesting psychology of that, you know. But as yeah. soon as you leave them alone, then you get the real shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go back because, okay. you know, because obviously, when, when did you live in Montreal, though? I moved to Montreal when I was uh, just finished high school. So uh, okay. Ish and I, a good friend of mine, Brian, who plays in the notorious BCDC band now, uh, uh, he, him and I moved to Montreal in 1987. So I was about 17, 18 years old. With your family or just, just you? No, we, we, we just fucking, we bought a van and we, <laughs> we were like, let's go. Most people in Edmonton go to Vancouver. Like that's yeah. that you're like, wow, okay, man, we're 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 fucking going to the big city. But we decided to go to Montreal. We knew one person there. 
Uh, and we, uh, our, our, we, we, we had a band going. We were a band called Broken Smile at the yeah. time. And we were going to meet our singer who was in a different place. He was going to meet us in Montreal. And we were going to fucking take over the world. I was going to go to McGill, study music. It had all, all planned out. Mm-hmm. None, of the, none of that happened. <laughs> <laughs> really? No, we just partied. We just partied hard. No, our singer, our singer did show up, Andy, and we played some shows. We actually did a cool... Uh, tour opening up for SNFU down the East Coast yeah, in yeah. 1988. Uh, we were when we were like that band that had like, you know, like 12 minute songs that were fucking super heavy and like <laughs> the crowds were like, oh yeah, yeah, guys, man. But but yeah, so I, I moved then and um, it was awesome. I mean, we we we. I mean, yeah, we had plans of going to uh, university and things like, but, but really it was such a great party town. We met so many great people live with Jonathan Cummins right off the bat yeah. for the no boys. Uh, so we hung out with that whole crew and, uh, you know, Montreal was, uh, I played with my guy Popper in Montreal, uh, which is another band. Um, and, but the music thing didn't quite, quite take off in Montreal for me. Yeah. So I, uh, eventually 1991 ish, 90, somewhere in there, I'd moved back to Edmonton. That's when I went to school. Okay. That's yeah. Jazz time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. What, and so you skipped over the part where you played with Gigi Allen. Oh, oh yeah. And there's that one show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty important part of. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, Gigi. That's my. That's my most. Uh, that's my claim to fame. I think, man. If there, if you can say that. Um, no, it was. Uh, yeah, uh, 1988. I think mm-hmm. Dan Webster was running for Foon, so we we were we were kind of. Hanging out, we got jobs like loading in gear for bands at Fafoon or, or the uh, a bunch of bunch of different clubs in in town. And uh, but Dan knew that we played, and he was like, "Gigi Allen's coming to town for the Shock Fest. Uh, it's going to be a you know, it's a three day festival thing with Lydia Lunch and like a whole bunch of extreme artists like that." And to be honest, you know, I was like, "He's like, I'll give you a hundred dollars to play drums," <laughs> and I was like, "Fucking paying gig." I'm Whoa. Each- this is, this is killer. This is the dream come true, man. And uh, so I'm like, fuck yeah, I'll definitely do it, man. And I was going to do it with uh, um, some of the members of Schlonk, which was a Montreal band, which is actually really cool. Um, the Al was his lead singer, but it was all female backing mm-hmm. band. Mm-hmm. So it was two, two of the girls from that band and uh, myself were going to be Gigi Allen's backup band. And then I, uh, I remember saying I was going to do it, and I was talking to John Kasner or something. <laughs> he, goes, he comes up to me, he goes, do you know who that fucking guy is? <laughs> I was like, no, I had no idea. And he's yeah. like, you're insane, dude. Like, you know, back in those days, you couldn't research somebody and no. you know, go check it out. So I was like, oh, okay, is this crazy? Am I crazy for doing this? And, uh, you know, it was all the stories of him were percolating around of the, you know, it's all this, all the stuff you used to hear about, like Alice Cooper and, Ozzy Osbourne or something, you know, biting the head off a bat or something. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, you're like, he doesn't really shit on stage. No oh. way. <laughs> that's, just all, that's just all talk. Uh, anyways, but I was like, I don't care. I'm fucking into it. I'm, let's, let's, let's do this. And he came up, he came up and we jammed for a week. Oh, really? We, I didn't know that part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I didn't know his songs. We, none of us, we, 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 we didn't know what songs he wanted to play. We didn't know what. So he came in and I remember distinctly meeting him. The first time he came, he came up on a Greyhound bus and uh, he, you know, in Montreal, you know, there's big walk-ups, you know, the three-story walk-up yeah, kind yeah. of you know, townhouse brick, brick. Uh, anyways, we were all sitting at a, at Colleen's place and the bass player, and he was supposed to come over. So we we're kind of nervously like, oh God, meeting Gigi Allen tonight. This is, 
this is sort of weird. And uh, so it was kind of building up in my brain now because I was like, oh, what have I done? What, yeah. what am I doing? And then uh, anyways, you hear the door and you hear this guy coming up the stairs. And I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. And he, <laughs> he comes walking in, big fucking tall dude, right? He's a pretty big guy. He was, he was a big guy. And uh, the worst fucking tattoos you've ever seen. Heroin spelled wrong in his arm. That was that was a good one. And he had just had a brown paper bag. That was his luggage. He was there for a week. Jesus. That <laughs> was like, and he he instantly launched in. He was he was actually I'm not gonna lie. He was very cool. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And he, uh, we were all like, "What's in the bag? What'd you bring?" And it was like a, literally a bar of X lax and a G string. <laughs> 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 so you guys jam for a week and you sort of get yeah. to know him as a person and you know yeah. was there there must have been like a, a divide of the performer the uh, and the, yeah. the heroin addict and then just normal Gigi yeah, allen you know yeah we got the jam we got the jam sessions going um which were actually quite great really Gigi allen was actually a really fucking awesome drummer oh, I knew and, uh, and he was actually quite picky about his songs, we we rehearsed the shit out of those songs, and he would come back and let me fucking oh I'll fucking show you, and I was like fuck, he's a good good player, man. So so we we felt like we really had to. So we'd go out drinking with him every night. We'd go jam and go drinking with him. You see this little shift happen there, yeah. you know. He'd be in a bar, he'd do like a begbie, you know, just throw a pint behind him, and you're like. Oh, <laughs> or he'd pull his dick out of the bar, a little, little tiny penis he had, yeah. uh, that out, uh, you know, or just, just you'd see the kind of like, oh, okay, he's, but he was still sort of fun. We we're just partying, and uh, and then and yeah, it came to showtime. And uh, one funny story about this is like, you know, there's a little little tiny diner in Montreal we used to go to called called the Shortmans. Sat eleven people, and uh, and it was one of those. I, I was I took him there for breakfast that day. And uh, just the two of us. And then we went down to sound check and all that stuff. And I was like, after this breakfast, you're not going to eat that X-Lax, bro. Boosty <laughs> 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 Spoon, ultimate. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we went, went, uh, went to do the show. It was fucking beyond sold out. I mean, there was more people I'd ever seen in Fafoon. Fafoon was a bit smaller at that time. Fafoon's yeah. gone through a lot, of, a lot of different iterations. But it was... Uh, it started really building up the the tension of this whole thing because you were like, "Holy fuck!" There's a lot of people here, and then Gigi was sort of gone. We didn't know where the fuck he was. We were all backstage hanging out, kind of. The anticipation was getting there. You're like, "Wow, oh, what's he gonna do?" And I was like, "Dude, you gotta you gotta leave me alone, man. You can't." Because I'd heard he pissed on drummers. He did did all this shit. It's like, yeah, yeah. like I had a big pipe wrench beside me, just just in case. You know what I mean? I was like, fuck God, what, what is this guy going to do? You don't know what he's going to do. Yeah, so, yeah. And then he came backstage and he had this, um, you know, woman that he picked up off the street, prostitute, uh, dancer. And he's like, hey, she's, uh, here's how we're starting the set. You're going to play a cr slow drum beat. She's going to come out and strip. And the rest of the band's going to come up and then I'm going to come out. And this time he had to go through the crowd to get on the stage at the food. <laughs> And uh, anyways, we were all looking at her going, what, what, you know, this guy, this guy, fuck it. Anyways, it was, uh, it was a little like, suddenly we're like, okay. So I went out, you know, started doing this fucking slow kind of crazy drugs. So here she comes, she comes out, the rest of the band comes out and she strips, strips on stage. And I'm like, holy fuck. And then you see sort of out of the corner of your eye, there's Gigi Allen. 
and he comes through the crowd and he just starts fucking like hitting people like fucking <laughs> punching people and he's punching people he's punching like girls right? <laughs> he's going up and he, he's laying out like and people are instantly fucking trying to hit him yeah trying to he makes it his way on stage and he's sort of dancing around this girl and then he you know long story short just takes a shit on her just <laughs> diarrhea the worst fucking smell and you're just like holy fuck dude that's when everything just went through tunnel vision you know and there was there was twice the capacity crowd in 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 the club and as soon as he took a shit suddenly there was 12 feet in front of the stage yeah <laughs> suddenly there's tons of room um and then all hell broke loose we, we kicked off and just to the first song he ended up like sitting on her doing that and kind of you know he's wrapping the mic around her and it was it was like oh, oh, oh. um but it's gg allen so yeah I mean, yeah yeah fact you know but it got so she managed to get away and kind of get out of there and then we started the set <laughs> <laughs> you know um anyways fucking crazy dude uh a friend of mine who i lived with at the time he was, and he was like, you know, one of one of us, cool dude, went to, you know, extreme guy or whatever. He ran out and phoned the cops. <laughs> That's like, enough. You call the cops on the club? He said, yeah. He was like, it was too disturbing. Wow. Too disturbing. And anyways, we made it through my, maybe, I don't know, I'm trying to remember, three songs maybe. We had, we had 10 or 11 songs lined up. And we only made it through a few because it just got crazy. He started smashing his face with a microphone. He's bleeding. He's covered in shit. He's grabbing people. People start throwing bar stools, and it just it just got. He, eventually, he was surrounded by bouncers. Yeah, and, and that was it. It was just this weird, you know. And then the show that was it. They, they shut it down. They're like, "Fuck, this is it, man." You, he was doing that thing with the mics, bottom of the mic, fucking clocking a few people that kind of stuff you know um just violent yeah violent nasty shit and i was like after the show they were playing something fucking weird on the pa right after <laughs> and i was like holy fuck it's just literally like wow what the fuck just happened and um and then i was like oh fuck i left my bag in the backstage room i gotta go back there <laughs> i went up i'm like fuck it i hope i don't see him man i, I, did, I didn't want to see him like it was pretty disturbing man. yeah it was, uh, and uh, anyway, I get up there and they had a shower back there. He just showered. He'd had a shower and he goes, that was fucking awesome. Man. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, said to me, you're my fucking drummer, dude. You are my drummer. Wow. You were moving to New York. You are now my fucking drummer. And I was like, <laughs> awesome, dude. Meet you there. And uh, somebody, I, I, I wish, because uh, I know we were arm in arm and somebody was taking photos backstage. Fuck, I wish I had that photo. Man, man, you know what I mean? man, yeah. And didn't I think Fafoons kept the mic and called it the Gigi mic? <laughs> yeah, and if you were a fucking dick and you came in being a dick, you got the Gigi mic. Oh wow, yeah, that's great. And that's I think awesome. it was Fafoons, but I might have heard of. I might be putting another story together, but he's yeah. infamous for fucking shit up. Like yeah. just this, you know, he made made the dwarves look like like children. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just like and he in. To you know, to the fact of that's punk rock and all that good stuff, but holy shit, let's draw a line, you know, where yeah, you could yeah. get assaulted. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, and he's he's he, he wasn't going out to the big tough dudes. Yeah, 
kind of get shock value. You're going after somebody's girlfriend or clocking somebody's. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to come out swinging, but nobody wants to. Nobody wants to wrestle this guy down to the ground because he's a big guy. And he's covered in shit. He's covered in shit. <laughs> he might as well have vegetable oil all over himself. You're not going to. Yeah. You're not going to get any holds in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, and blood too. I and forgot blood. the blood part. Yeah. Oh my and, god! You might catch something. You know. The- oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I didn't I, that 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 bass drum head, you know, that had Gigi Allen shit, blood on it. It had everything on it. It was just like, oh god, yeah. Man. Was it your kit? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, dude. I would have made sure they rented a kit in and just made sure you left. Just take your sticks <laughs> yeah, or dude. leave everything, even clothes behind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where I, I am good. It was I mean, unreal, man. It was unreal. Dude. And then I remember after, like, shortly after that, he was on, like, Geraldo. Remember that? Remember that show? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember my mom phoning me and, like, oh my God, I just saw the most crazy fucking guy on Geraldo. <laughs> and I was like, what's his name? Gigi Allen. And apparently, I think there was a little fisticuffs on there or something happened yeah. on there. I don't, I don't know. But he, uh, and I was like, mom, I just played drums for that fucking guy. <laughs> and she's like, you're kidding me, Dave. You gotta be kidding me! <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I and yeah, absolutely. That I I've heard that story, but I haven't heard like you. you that's I mean, I want uh, this. This is this this is the worth the wait because that story is a story that you have such a close personal attachment to, like this yeah. infamous crazy person that had a whole other side to him that people yeah. you you knew because you hung out with the guy. But it's how fast you can accept, you know, yeah. that sort of like, all right, that's what I'm dealing with now. I'm I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. I, can't, I can't be your drummer guy, you know. Yeah. So when you, when did the S and a few thing happen? Was it sort of? Did you move back to Edmonton, or were you still yeah, in Montreal? Yeah. 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 So, so really, I mean, after the GD Allen story, it's just a tailspin down to you know. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> to another crazy person that had props. We're just going to go downhill. Props, no, pumps, no, props, really, pumps. Uh, I, I hung out in Montreal for, for a long time, and then I, yeah, I, I finally kind of, you know, aside from jamming with Gigi Allen, uh, the music thing wasn't quite wasn't quite ticking for some reason. I, I did a, a little bit of stuff with Jerry Jerry there. Um, mm-hmm. Not much, just a few rehearsals because I was buddies with Jim, mm-hmm. the bass player. Uh, anyway, so the music thing wasn't quite happening. And I, I always had that, I want to go study music. I want to go like, because I grew up playing in the school bands. And I, I was like the drummer in that the band, the, the concert band, the jazz band, all that stuff. And I took lessons and I did all that stuff. So, so I was interested in that, more of that. So I went back to Edmonton to go to Grant McEwen College which is, um, has a really great music program uh, and dance and arts. And it's, uh, and I wanted to get in that school. So I, I moved back to the 1990s and I applied to that school. I'd been playing drums at that point for about 13 years. Mm-hmm. And I went to that school to go audition. And they're like, you're holding your sticks wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. I'm like, dude, come on. I've been playing, you know, but anyways, it was hard school to get in. I had to really, really work my ass off to get in that school. And I, I, I went there for the first year. I mean, you, it was a performance degree. So you had to write, compose music. You had to do ear training, piano, vocal, everything. You, you come out of that being a well-rounded kind of studio musician. That's, that was kind of my goal is to be that. Uh, anyways, and, and I started my second year of that. And I was like, holy fuck, year two is even harder than year one. This is crazy. But I was playing drums about eight hours a day during that period. So I felt like I was really, you actually don't even see how much better you're getting when you're yeah. that 
far into it. Mm -hmm. So I got into the second year and then got this call from Mark Belke from Vancouver. And now Mark, I jammed with a bit before when I moved back to Edmonton, I jammed with him with the Weed Chiefs. Oh, yeah. him and, and so we were doing that a little bit. And then we had a little, myself and Trent, the bass player, went off and did a different band and we didn't want to do the Wee Chiefs. And uh, anyways, in, the, in that time, Mark and Brent had moved to Vancouver, Chai. Right. They all moved to Vancouver. And I, I got a call from Mark saying, we have a 39-date tour in Europe set up. We're leaving in like two weeks. Do you want to do, do you want to play drums? And I was like, <laughs> whoa, uh, you know, and I think, I think he kind of, he kind of worded it in a, cause I, I, I know Mark really well. I mean, I grew up, I mean, uh, you know, listening to S and a few and seeing us and a few from 13 on, you know? So, uh, so I knew him, uh, and I knew these guys, I knew the band, I knew, knew the songs. I, so I was, I wasn't like, Oh God, can I do it? It was, uh, it was more like, am I going to uproot? I just, school and my and a dog at a house and you know like all that stuff right but then i was like i can't say no to this this is why i'm going to school this is why i want to become a professional drummer i want to get a gig um and so i said yeah <laughs> okay and i hopped on a plane you know found somebody to take my dog and quit school uh i got my walkman out with a uh, the first first three albums and i just listened to them on repeat on the plane and got out there and we just started rehearsing and and it was heavy duty man because i was i was replacing john card man yeah I mean, like jesus dude um you know and i i felt like i could do it i, I felt like i was like at a, like you know i've just been at school for like i said playing drums for that much more jazz and yeah. latin stuff but um anyway so i yeah we basically played a show within a week um and it was at the Nappy Dugout. We were doing a, uh, a benefit concert for, for PD's Hot Shop for Skull Skates. Yeah. And I was like, and it was big. There were lots, lots of people. I mean, you know, it was sold out. Lots of people there. SNFU, this is fucking SNFU, man. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like, I, on my set list, how does this song start? How does this one end? <laughs> like, you know, all these like, but then we just went into it. It was great. It was just so exhilarating. I felt like, like, because I'd like I said, I grew up listening to SNFU. There mm -hmm. was First show I ever saw in my life. Um, Chai Pig was like a legend to me. The Belky Brothers. I mean, yeah. The original line of Evan, Evan C. Jones, Jimmy Schmidt on bass, like, and then Ted Sim and Curtis, like, you know, this, this was like, yeah, this is a dream come true for me, really. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, but I, I, you know, I had really long hair and stuff. So I think Chai at first was look, looking at me like, this guy is this guy's in the band now you know but quickly proved myself you know quickly proved myself and then we um hit the road we flew to europe and did 39 shows like and it was just awesome yeah like i was we had goonie playing bass which he didn't he didn't last very long in a band um but it was a tight tight band it was all the band was really like fucking yeah let's let's do this again that mm -hmm. kind of era and it was a good tour it was big it was big. It was, but uh, you know, we would typical lesson if you should, some big shows, some squats, yeah. some whatever, you know, but that's, yeah, that's, that's how it all happened. And we fucking signed Epitaph right away. Yeah. And that's on the heels of like the reunion tour. That was yeah. the biggest S and a few tour probably to yeah. date. Right. You know, if you think about when they, yeah. the last of the big time suspenders tour and stuff like that, that was like the tour. Right. And yeah. to come back and sort of keep, keep the momentum going 
Yeah. You know, I've I've spoken to Mark, I've spoken to Brent, uh, about, about, and even Chai about sort of like what it felt like to sort of finally get recognition as a band, you know, because yeah. of that first iteration just sort of fizzled out. And then yeah. as soon as it was like a, yeah, you can't really engineer something like that. You can't engineer that type of uh, um, hype. Because yeah, you know, yeah, no, no, exactly. It did. and it was it was yeah. I remember I remember seeing them on that tour a lot too. And and uh, yeah, I mean it was like for one, you're like when the band broke up, you're like what? Yeah, and stop. <laughs> you know, like this farewell tour. What? Yeah. You know. So I think a lot of people, obviously, when you say that, you, people are going to come out. I yeah. Mean, you, like it's it's uh it's like fuck. This is the last time I get to see this. This band is not done. Like no way. Uh, anyway, so so yeah, we had to pick that up and kind of keep running with it which yeah. kind of felt i guess maybe in hindsight not so much to me because i was new in it and i was just absorbing it all and just loving it and really felt like uh it just felt so right to me it just all felt so good and the songs i'm like i, I get to play cannibal cafe oh, yeah this, is, this yeah. is like you know um man i mean god this is like this is unreal yeah unreal. yeah so epitaph that happens quite fast Really uh, fast. We yeah. played music last. I can't remember if we it was I was before that tour or right after that tour, but it was we signed, right? Brett was up there at Music West. We played mm -hmm. uh, the town the town dump, the town pump. Yeah. And that was it. That yeah. was it. It was uh fuck. Now we're like really, dude. I was you join a band, you don't, you know, get a tour in Europe yeah. instantly and then a major record deal. Yeah. Like it the timing was it was unreal, and uh, so it felt like this new lease on life for the band. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 not much later, I guess Rob came on board, and yeah. that became the core that my core of SNFU because everybody yeah. everybody has their SNFU. I mean, you have your different version of SNFU that you for saw, sure. but my yeah. version of SNFU is that Epitaph years SNFU. Yeah. I mean, you put out you know, voted, which was like this fucking, even like bands were just so into it. It was a band's records, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, and, and then you had every, all the pieces sort of fit together. Green and leafy kind of started the thing, but to me, when, yeah. sorry, go Green ahead. And leafy, Green and leafy was interesting. That was like, you know, Oh my God, a sign of this label, you know, bad religions label, Brett Gerwitz, Jay Bentley, like, Whoa, you know, and I, I think I heard you, you were talking about the story, like when we went to Brett's house. Yeah. We were smoking cigars. Oh yeah, yeah. Before <laughs> Australia, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but but the uh, the Green and Leafy album. Yes, yeah, so we flew down. They were like flying down. You know, work with Donnell Cameron. He produced The Offspring. He produced Rancid. He he did all this shit. You know, record at West Beach Studios in Hollywood. We're like, holy fuck, man! You're gonna stay in this place. We got your, you know, you're living the dream, right? And, and for me, they're like, you know. I was like, do I bring a kit or do, you know, and they're like, no, no, just use the drum doctor down here. Ross, who, who ran a company called the drum doctor. Basically it's just a menu of drums. Yeah. So I was, I'll take the Gretsch kit with, and we had seven different snare drums there. And we had like tubular bells at one point, <laughs> tubular bells. It yeah. was like spinal tap, dude, just for the end of all those opposed. We're using, yeah, tubular yeah. <laughs> you know, but again, you're just like spending money and like, this is all going to be amazing. And, uh, but that the record got off on the wrong foot instantly. Like it was like we got there and the producer didn't show up the first day. Oh. And we were like, oh, weird. Anyways, whatever. We'll just set it up with the engineer. Next day, he's not coming in. He's not doing it. Health reasons. Mm -hmm. He's you know, basically in rehab. 
<laughs> so so we were like, okay, we got to go on and do this album. And yeah. you, imagine that. Imagine yeah. your Dave Ogilvy doesn't show up, and you're like, oh, okay, now we're just going with the engineer. Doesn't really know us. Yeah, but he's a great engineer. I mean, so we had to do it with him and mm. just do it uh, and make just. That's why I think the production on that album's it's a bit not quite not quite on on spot, but it was. Uh, I really dug those songs though. I thought, I thought, I thought we, uh, I thought like songs like painful reminder and stuff. I, I knew right then I was like, that song should be the single, yeah. but I know that Brett wanted fast songs and he wanted realities to ride on the bus. He, he was like, words of fast songs. And, and we were like, ah. you know, I mean, with this, and Chai was trying to do something a little different, sing a bit more. He was a bit more, um, I don't know. It was a different vibe for the hell yeah. that album. Yeah. But it was cool, and I think we felt a bit like off, like a little bit like, oh, we're not at home. We don't have a producer here. We're, we're, uh, we gotta, you know, we're all staying in the same apartment. Yeah. It was just a bit much. And then I think from that point on, we were like, let's record in Vancouver at Mushroom Studios with Dave. Let's let's do this at home. Everyone can go home afterwards and then come back and have more control over the recording process. So the one voted. You notice it's quite a different tonally and vibe, and yeah, yeah, it comes out the yeah, it comes out punching, yeah, yeah, and and yeah. It, and there's a consistency to that record that like an Ogilvy can give you because he keeps you guys yeah. focused. And it was a to me, it was a great that also that pairing of having someone like Dave on board, whether he was just mixing or if he was having his sort of touch on it was yeah. obviously the the special sauce yeah. of the whole thing and yeah put but, it all but together I, but i i do have to go back, like to the the green and leafy tour right before you came in so we're talking like 94 mm-hmm. uh, yeah 94 that was insane too because that, that whole year was just like because it was like okay back you're gonna go out with bad religion in europe mm-hmm. and we're like whoa amazing yeah like this is wow okay so like we're, you know snf was doing well in europe but not bad religion well. yeah, yeah. You know, and then they're, uh, we were on tour with them for a little bit, and they're like, and this other band is going to join these kids uh, from Berkeley, Green Day. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. we're like, who's Green? You know, we're all kind of like, yeah, I, I know Green Day a little bit. Yeah, they had a few records but out. Yeah. They just put out Dookie, like, literally just working on Dookie and put it out. So they came and joined us in uh, Germany. I guess we were in Germany or something. And they came out and did sound check. And we were all kind of like, you know, you know, when you're on tour with a band, you're like, we got our own little thing. And then another band is coming in. You're like, who are these guys? Nobody really knew them. Nobody really. But they came in and they did. I remember them doing sound check. And we were like, whoa, who is this? These, these Whoa, that's a powerhouse three piece, man. And uh, anyways, we all became very close friends very quickly. Uh, Billy Joe was a big fan of Chai. Uh, so they were all on our bus instantly. And then we were also meeting Brian Baker for the first time in Bad Religion. We were meeting oh, yeah. like all these kind of icons. And and then we got to do this tour with, with full production, full lights, catering. And we went all the way through, went through Sweden. We went through the Scandinavia. We went through, uh, we did a whole bunch of shows. And the shows kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger because of Green Day, really. I mean, it was like yeah. they, they put out Dookie. So we watched them become millionaires on the, on that tour. And basically, it was super exciting to be around them. It was very exciting for us yeah. as well. Just ride that. Um, it was incredible, dude. So, so that that 
it just all kept happening, you know, mm -hmm. it just giving. And then, then, yeah, then we went back in the studio and got the one voted going. And that one felt really good. That one felt like really, you know, child's angry. It's coming back, screaming a bit more. And yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun recording that one. Yeah. And obviously, you know, Green and Leafy is sort of like, that's the iteration of the band but then you solidified it with voted because you had already yeah. done all these great experiences together, you know, and it's funny how you can gel that way, right? Whether it be on a professional level or on a personal level, how it all sort of makes sense at, you know, and you can look back now and it's 20 something, 25 yeah. years later and you can look at it and go, Oh, there's a reason why this worked or there's a reason why these songs sort of felt so good, you know? And, yeah. and I, and truthfully, I think people had a lot of a lot of eggs in the basket for voted. I think especially Epitaph yeah. thought it was going to be the thing. Like Green yeah. Day was playing it like to start their shows at times, yeah. and you know it was like that was the thing, you know. And, and you know, and it did. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it was a successful record. You know, I, me too, dude. I, I I think so as well. I think I think it was the best the best selling one on the on the Epitaph. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, and uh, you know, yeah, it was just all, everything was kind of aligning. Everything on Green and Leafy was a little bit, yeah. whoa, 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 you know, just kind of navigating it. And and then it all kind of started gelling with the band, playing with Rob, playing with, you know, just just everybody started really gelling. And the touring was happening and it, just, it was just all, you, you just get tight, right? You get tight on mm -hmm. tour. And we were writing a bunch of the voted songs on that tour with, with Bad Religion and Green Day. So you're on a high, you're on a, let's write some music let's yeah. Uh, yeah. i mean that that's the greatest thing about touring is when you get to write and sound checks and you, you if you have time to do that yeah. uh but that tour gave us a lot of freedom to do that sort of stuff um yeah you know. and and so this is where your 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 uh, gracious host enters which is in the middle of voted i came in during the middle of voted yes and dude. i replaced uh limo who went out with no effects <laughs> Okay. Because yeah. Limo, Limo, we met in, uh, I guess we met in Toronto, but our first show was in Quebec City. That's right. And okay. that yes, yeah. Duckman's first show as well. Like, that must have been weird for you guys because you had like this group of people that did what was a, a month or a month and a half of just yeah. Limo and who else was on tour with you? Was it just Limo? Was it, uh, Jim, was Nor it Jim? Jim Norton? Jim Norton? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think Jim was there. So so did we switch? Was, was it you and then... Duckman, yeah. Or, or, yeah. So we switched switched crews. SNFU always had great crews, man. I mean, you know, people wanted to work for SNFU, and we wanted to have friends and you know pe people around us that that were you know, yeah, just not taking it too serious, but having fun and also friends. Like, I mean, that was the thing with Dave Ogilvy bringing him in was like we, you know, Mark and those guys were playing hockey with him, and yeah. we're hanging out. he's a friend. You know what I mean? We're also really talented. And but um for us switching, yeah, probably a, maybe a little like second of like, oh, where's limo going? You know? <laughs> but uh but very quickly, dude. You were you were uh dude, I, I gotta say, man, you 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 came in, you knew how to play drums, <laughs> you really helped out with the kit, you you knew how to tune them, you knew how to do sound, you were had an energy to you like oh, it was cool. you know, awesome dude i mean i really i really look back on those days and go man i was spoiled <laughs> you know, i had a fucking built-in drum tech in the uh <laughs> yeah yeah for sure and i loved it i loved every minute of it and i remember but sorry yeah i i uh 
and then, you know, we negotiated a thing and thing, and it was pretty low. I mean, I was just a kid, really. I was like 24, 20 something. Okay. So yeah. I came in and I'm sort of what it was like. But I remember um, after that, f- that first tour, you're like, you got to come back. You got to come back because <laughs> we were in yeah, Vancouver. I'm yeah, I'm not doing this without you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I remember, go, oh, that's nice. You know, and it feels nice because th- th- I always give credit to you guys as a band to say, that SNFU taught me how to tour. It taught me how to be a person. It taught me how to work with people, how to be in close com- confines with people, how to deal with things if things aren't working yeah. out. Um, yeah. A lot of things that I I use today that from then that shaped, you know, you know, and just like, you know, I, I've given, we were talking about Al Nolan, but I give him credit too to be able to, Put that together and engineer that type of thing and sort of understand how changing that is you know and how what will we be if we didn't do this or if i hadn't picked up a phone call or you can only right. it's weird you know and and i subsequently every band i worked for it wasn't just little short tours and then i'm yeah. done maybe one and that was with moist and moist are we're a shitty band there you go i said I it yeah what a scoop yeah. but uh oh yeah big surprise right yeah but um yeah. i didn't get along with them but i every band i've ever worked for i've yeah. you know um there's a friend of mine roger pasutka who's also a sound guy he calls it falling in love you fall in love with these guys and then yeah. you tour with them and you become brothers and you put yeah. up with you have fun and then you get to business and yeah there was like you know a lot of moments in my life where you go yeah I, i'm glad i did that you know and yeah. You know, and there's times that also are like, well, they weren't so much fun, but I have to take it all and put it all together as being what life actually is, you know, and, you know, and we both, you know, it's, you know, we, yeah, working for you guys was definitely um, life altering to say the least. Yeah, yeah, dude, dude, you know, you know, we were, we were chatting about, I was chatting with some old friends after, unfortunately, Chai, Chai passing yeah. and, you know, there's a lot of conversations, people reaching out and, uh and we were talking about the, the band in general and just the, the how it shaped us as kids growing up in Edmonton and seeing this for the first time, mm-hmm. growing up with that and making bands that opened up for us in a few and then eventually joining the band completely shaped how things shaped the way I do things, the way I the way we watched SNFU perform, Chai Pig perform was such a fucking like intense, don't don't half-ass anything. Like come out swinging every time. That definitely has carried through my life. Mm-hmm. I remember like the first yeah. show we did at in, in Quebec City, and we did sound check, and I was like, "This is gonna be good." I, I had a good feeling about it, and uh, and when you guys got on stage, it was it was shocking to me. Like, right, it was like somebody had taken little light switches and clicked them all yeah. on, and it was just boom. And you yeah. can't get you know, it was it was just that it was big explosions, just. It was fin- frantic, and it was like something that you like. I'm tingling talking about it, but it's like seeing something that for the first time is like you, I can't believe how you guys have been on tour for like, I think six weeks at that point. Yeah, yeah. You know, you think about that. You know, like I've done yeah. tours in band where I've played and I've had to sing and stuff, and it's like, ooh, after 20 days, you're like, holy Jesus Christ, yeah. this is tiring. Yeah. And you're playing like at the at the top yeah. of your game at full. speed tilt there's no like i'm gonna half ass this or, or yeah. you know i'm gonna sort of f- cheat my way through this there was a lot of sweat you know what i mean and uh yeah. there's a there's a lot of a lot of i mean that that playing in that bed like you you had to do that like yeah. you can't you can't 
you can't get away. You, you, and that, 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 that's the thing going back to watching them perform as, as a kid and is that you felt this like you, you needed to do that. You, it was, it was, you, it was your duty yeah. <laughs> to perform and to kick ass and just, I mean, it was unreal that the, I mean, I, I, I was, yeah, it was the biggest, it was such a workout playing in that band. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're literally just drained at the end of it. Yeah. You leave it all out there. Cause yeah. Chai, look at, you can't, you can't sit back, watch it. That, that dude is like, especially in that era. I mean, yeah. that era was like just ferocious, man. I mean, he was just unreal to watch. Yeah. You know? You know, I, mean, I didn't see him in the '80s where he's doing backflips and sort of not landing him and stuff like that. But, but I yeah. saw him and he was in his late 30s and and still f- going hard. You know, and inspiring, inspiring to, yeah. to you know. To- there, there, there's a great uh, there's a great um, thing that Mark Mark Critchley put up. The guy from Itch. I mm-hmm. uh, put up a little video of the highlight Chai Pig from a show we did in '95. Maybe maybe you were were you were you at, the, at the Commodore and it was uh, Ken Jensen. Benefit thing. No, that was before me. Yeah, it was. I've okay, seen yeah. it though. It's phenomenal. Yeah. But Ty, and that is like, like he's jumping off the, the base. Rit. Like, I mean, yeah. and there's, there's shows we didn't, you know, I mean, I guess the early 90s and stuff when I first joined, he's like climbing on the pipes in the ceiling in Spain. Like, just you're way up there. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I mean, I feel like Ty in the 90s, I felt like he was, he was, he was like, Peaking, you know what yeah. I mean? Really, like for energy and for just unreal. I mean, I, the, the only downside of playing in SNFU is I was wasn't able to watch from the front. Yeah, <laughs> watch him. You're yeah. just watching from behind or whatever. But yeah. it was uh, unreal. Yeah. I I was but, talking to my friend Colin, who was over. He was in Whistler for one of the shows, and you might not remember it, but somebody it was at the base of Whistler, and somebody had got on this chandelier. Oh yeah, and that was his buddy, well. and he pulled it down, yeah. and just was just glass flying in the air. He told Dude. a story about it, and I go, I remember that because I was mixing behind like a little porthole on the bar side, so yeah. I I could just see what was going on. I I couldn't be a part of it. It was crazy. I I, I remember that really well, and it, well, hopefully well. Um, but <laughs> it was, um, I'm pretty sure encore, right near the end, the chandelier. All of a sudden, there's a Kid on the chandelier, swing a big chandelier, and we were like, oh, you know, literally doing that, and then it was like, and then it came down. Yes, like literally came right at the end of the (laughs) the set, glass shattering, and we were like, wow, that's how you fucking end a show. You know who else was there? My wife was there before we even knew each other. Was at that show. That show is this crazy, famous, like show that locals know and talk about you know it's definitely one of those moments um my other favorite moment and you probably won't remember this but we're in st catherine's and had this little drop ceiling it was in a smaller place and chai grabbed on to part of the frame and the whole ceiling came down on everybody it was just and it was like it was it that was the end of that that floor and i remember the bar the guy owner bartender guy's like why you've wrecked my thing and it's somehow it's it's like somebody had rigged it like special effects like make the whole thing come in when i do this hit a button and and the whole thing completely collapsed the same thing it was like people were like what and they had like shit all over them from the the whole ceiling falling in on them 
Unreal, dude. Yeah. Unreal show. I mean, SNFU shows were notorious for just something happening, something, something going on. Someone, you know, just, yeah, yeah. I mean, luckily the chandelier one, no one got hurt. I remember no one, no one got hurt of that. We were like, Uh, I think a guy cut his foot. I think what I heard, there was a, there was a foot cut, but it wasn't like go to the hospital. Something crazy where you're thinking, oh man, this could go really south. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, but uh, yeah, amazing, amazing. I, I, I don't remember the St. Catherine one, but but yeah, I'll, I'm gonna ride your your memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was yeah. You know, in you know, obviously Chai uh, had some. He made some friends along the way when it came to like bouncers and things like that. And I tell the story that start a few lab, but there's a hidden track where it's me, Dave, uh, Dave Fortune, and Brian trying to get Kelowna. not to get her asses kicked in Kelowna, and. Um, that's where the bar, the bouncers were just punching people, and yes. uh, it all happened in the back hall, in the back room, and then there was holes kicked in the. Turns out it was Brian had kicked all the holes in, and 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 yeah. uh, they got they came and smashed all our windows in in the van. Not all of them. They they kept the front one, but we had to drive yeah. back to Vancouver with smashed in windows. That's right, dude. They, they, uh, the, um, I remember that show really well. That was like, yeah, it's one of those clubs where you're like, they've never had a punk rock no. band here before. And yeah, they're just like doing this to, to people in the, in the mosh pit, just punching them. <laughs> Let's just punch people. That, that'll calm this crowd down. And, and I think Chai was like, you know, we, we were always, you know, very, you don't, you don't let that happen with no. bands. And, you know, you know, you just stop that, right? As, as much as you can. And I think Chai was saying a few things and then they were like, you guys are trying to incite a riot. You know, and we're like, hey, no, 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 you were inciting the fucking riot. We're yeah. just trying to calm it down here. And uh, I w- was Jim with us then, or was no. it just okay? So I remember we went, <laughs> we went, we were uh, the backstage room. Yeah, we all went in there thinking like there was another way out. I think <laughs> and it ended up with us all holding the, the door. door. Yeah, and it. Oh, I know it. I know it started that. It was like. Chai was like against this nose to nose with this big 300 pound bouncer. And he's yeah. like, uh, and the bouncer goes, uh, I bet you're a stool pusher too. And Chai was like, well, as a matter of fact, yes, I am. And then he's like, get away from me, and saying all this stuff. And then, so, anyways, the funniest thing was, is we got, I'm like, we kind of get him out the door and we go to close the door. And Zach from Bracket goes, what a, what a, calls them whatever and they all of a sudden goo, 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 the doors all they're trying to get in again and i remember yeah. hearing in a muffled tone you guys better be out of here in five minutes or we're gonna fucking kill you is what i heard yeah. and I'm like oh shit I remember all of our skinny arms like <laughs> the door from getting and, uh, yeah. Zach, Zach, Zach was he had like he was putting like pop cans in like a in like yeah. a fucking case or something i'm like whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, he's getting ready yeah yeah prison, prison riot we're about to be here and uh <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I, I, that hidden track on the album. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's Dave Fortune. You can hear Dave in there. Yeah. Hey, hey, we don't know hey. what's going on. And like Brian sitting there loading gear, go, I know everything that's going on. This is all me. This is all the thing I did. Um, and I had no idea either, but I knew that it was him and DBS, the opening band, had kicked the shit out of the dressing room. I found right, yeah, out yeah. that later. And they also got Brackett's van. And then Brackett ended up, uh, they went and got epoxy and put it into their yeah. locks. Yeah, and epoxied yeah. their locks. And they're like, well, you know, whatever. And they weren't supposed to leave the country. They had a rental yeah. van that didn't have insurance, so they had to buy the window. I think it had one window smashed in. Yeah, yeah. But I remember getting, like, we're all in the room after, and we're all kind of trying to decompress. 
And then so we find out, like, uh, you know, Brian Duckman comes in and goes, well, I think a couple of those holes have a size nine shoe in them. And I'm like, you yeah. son of a bitch. Like, yeah. Why did you do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, that, that was uh, there, there was a few, few of those few little things with bouncers over the years. Yeah. And yeah, I was like, there. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, or, or other bands, or there was all sorts of shit that happened. I remember we were, uh, finding one of our guitars in the in the opening band's van, and when we played in Cardiff, Wales, one time. Wow. You know, monkeys doing the big check. Monkeys are roadie at the time, and counting guitars, and we're missing one, and we're like, "Hey, did you guys maybe accidentally load in your van?" And and uh, they're like, "No, fuck, there's no way." And uh, mind if we just take a quick look? And then it was then it was on. All the stickers. <laughs> off it was just a guitar player it was a guitar player it wasn't a band doing it, it was he was just stealing one of the guitars <laughs> like one of brad's esps or something and we're like go time yeah <laughs> skinny arms flailing in the streets of <laughs> man and the thing about chai though is that he was not afraid like no. I, his whole life he's been he's not afraid whatever he says and delivers if someone yeah. comes back to him he's like okay all right I, he says what he says and there totally. was never any sort of like oh i'm sorry sorry i don't mean that he yeah, he, yeah. Was, he was fearless like yeah. we were in penetanguishing ontario when the guy was trying to um, blame us for stealing one of his microphones mm. but all that had happened is he when somehow he got chai's crappy old mic and somehow yeah. they just got swapped out yeah, and uh, he was just being a dick the whole night. Was this you were on this tour, right? And then yeah, everybody's yeah. downstairs, and then Chai and him get like face to face on stage, and so I grabbed them both and threw them off the stage. So they landed, and the guy landed on Chai, and the guy was like big; he wasn't a little guy. And yeah. the whole night he's being a dick because he brought like this shitty PA system, being an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. And so finally it turns into a fight. But somehow, because all the guitars were still set up, like it was still like yeah. nobody had taken anything away. So I'm like, well, all this gear. So we managed to get everybody wrestled over them and then they both kick over the monitor and land on Chai. And I'm like, shit, wow. are you okay, dude? And Duckman yeah. had, a, <laughs> I just remember, he had a plastic bat. He's like, <laughs> that's exactly how he sounded. That's what I heard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I heard you <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's threatening. Yeah, plastic bat. Look at a plastic bat. I'm gonna fuck you up with this plastic bat because he was from the yeah, he was from uh, uh, New Jersey. But yeah, yeah, just yeah. There's moments like that, and you're like, holy shit, I can't believe. Like, and some of these like late night, overnight drives, where yeah. you know we're in Kansas and everybody's going to party, and I'm like having a nap because I got to drive yeah. all night, kind of thing. Yeah. You, oh man, and then like so everybody. Lot. You drove a lot. I, I remember did. You, you, you did you, you drove drums, sound, loading gear like crazy and driving like crazy. I drove all <laughs> night one night and we had to drive from Kansas to Boulder. Wow. <laughs> and we did it. We got yeah. there. And the funny thing was, because oh, I got in a fight, I got in an argument with Ducky because I got to like eight in the morning. I'm like, I can't see anymore. Ducky, you got to drive. He goes, okay. So he starts driving like 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 a herky-jerky, right? And I'm trying to sleep. And I've been up all night pounding coffee and yeah. all the, and tr whatever, trucker speed, just trying to like, you know, and I'm trying to sleep. And then everything's like doing this. So I fucking came up and just like, fuck, don't drive like an asshole. <laughs> and then we, so we got like this moment of like, fuck you. So anyways, we both get into a hotel. We're both getting into the elevator. And we're already, we're checked in, and I'm like, fuck, yeah. I'm so mad. So we just get in the elevator and go, ah. <laughs> we just look at each other. 
we good? Was I'm that, good. Was that the band? We had two vans. We had a crew yeah. van. Yeah, remember I, that? We, yeah. we, we made it at that point. We're like, holy shit, we got two vans. Yeah, yeah. There was one moment though. For some reason, I think we were. That was. I was that was on Fulab. I think. I can't remember. Yeah. That was the tour that we met up with Head. They were like on tour and they were all in different parts of America. And uh, yeah. we saw Brendan there and he was like, you know, we saw him in Boulder for some reason. And everybody's yeah. like, well, this guy's over in Seattle and this guy's in Florida. Like they yeah. basically have broken up. But uh, I think that was Fulaba. So we were in Earl Grey with a trailer. I remember that much. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Did we stay at Brendan's mom's house one time? Did, mm. we, did we stay her? I, I remember getting like, but I mean, in the in the early days, you were staying wherever. <laughs> you would have stayed there, yeah. I wouldn't have because um, yeah. I no, that would have been probably before me because um, yeah, okay. yeah. We because, stayed with his mom; it was so, super sweet. Yeah, a few uh, times. I think yeah. it was. Were you in the band when you stayed at my parents' house one night? It was a couple of nights actually. Yeah, I think so. And we yeah. were there, and it was funny because I had already been to the Belky Brothers' house, and they have like their parents have the same sort of aesthetic. <laughs> of house that we did. So I'm like, it's like being at home. And we did like Thanksgiving there, like something like that. And then, and then, so. yeah. and then we had everybody over at my parents' house and Mark wakes up and goes, it's like being in my house. Right. <laughs> yeah. I remember the Belky house. I remember that. House. Yeah. It's a beautiful house. Right. Often, yeah. I mean, we went there skating one time. They had a little pond, little yeah. skate, play a little hockey on the pond. It was about as Canadian as you had drinking Molson Canadian. <laughs> We were the Belkies, you know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> remember there's a great family photo where they're all doing the Katie Lang, like they're right. all the hanky panky. Because there's a lot of them. There's a lot of Belkies. A lot of Belkies. There are a bunch of Was Belkies, it four yeah. sons, right? Four sons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I remember. I remember going over there, and they would just put out like four liters of milk, and <laughs> everyone would sit down and just every meal. I'm like every meal. Yeah, you guys yeah, got yeah. four liters of milk every meal. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah so i mean so getting out of us in a few like yeah you and i did your last show your yours and brent's last show was in edmonton opening for bad religion opening for bad religion i mean over we did, we did a whole bunch of opening for bad religion if yeah. you recall we went to australia with them we went to uh we did a bunch of shows with them and I, you know I, I you know we were hanging out and bobby's like hey do you want to tech with me and you know so i started drum drum teching with bad religion while playing with us in a few and it was uh it was kind of great if we were doing the tour together because I would play and Bobby would just be, just use my kit, mm -hmm. you know, just use his kit, play, dry off, and then get it all shined up, ready for him. And then sit there and, you know, do, mm -hmm. do the drum tech thing, load gear. So I was doing that. And then, um, you know, which was, which is kind of cool, a little extra money. Cause I mean, really playing, playing in a band, you don't make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and then they started taking me out more uh bobby was flying me all over the place i mean he was he was a legend i mean he he gave me the stranger in fiction gold gold record oh, yeah me. yeah nice yeah you know, it was like it's got my name on it that's you know i mean fuck it. what a time to hang out with bad religion too during that that era so i started teching with them uh and then doing s and a few as well so i was on, on the road like eight months a year i didn't have an apartment i didn't have anything and it's, I, I think it started all just kind of getting to me a little bit and it's a little too much it was a little like and it was also i think at that era you know i felt like we were making some weird decisions a little bit and i think things things started going a little a little bit down you know what i mean and, and when you're you know not not selling out new york or something you know like, things like that you were, you were like oh what's happening is this is this 
drifting now or have we gone like kind of do we miss the i don't know we rode that wave that epitaph wave yeah. and we rode rode it well and but it was still frustrating because we felt like we should have been bigger we, felt like we should have been making more money we should have been at least making a living um which was it was it was difficult and i think i was hitting a point when i was like getting kind of late 20s and like okay what's the next stage what's the next chapter what uh what's going on? it just felt like things were I don't know. It just wasn't quite the same anymore. It was a different energy. And yeah. I, I think we were all, it was all so great though. I mean, if you lab, I love, I'd love playing that album too. And then I still listen to it and I still listen to It's, uh, it's great. I mean, it's fucking yeah. great, music, man. It's, uh, it's really good. I mean, I've, and so, one side of me thinks if we would have put out a few lab first, instead of green and leafy, if you flip the order of that, because that was a bit more kind of like, you know, hybrid more, yeah yeah it was yeah, a hybrid. Like that in a way maybe but but again you know i wouldn't change anything really and yeah. i guess i just hit a point when i was like you know i gotta i gotta what's what's next you know yeah. what's, what's next and i thought is it music is it i think i was you know like a lot of musicians you get you get pretty self-conscious you get pretty oh god i'm never going to be as good as these other guys i don't know if i can make this a career or not mm -hmm. so it's uh and then drum drum teching with bad religion i mean that was great going on their tours were a different level yeah but i was tech i was teching and nothing against teching at all but I, I wanted to play you know what i mean so it was a different different thing it's not the same not the same at all yeah. uh, for me so so i um it was you know one of the hardest decisions man to make uh to do that and and then brent shortly afterwards like yeah me me too um yeah and we were like then it was like oh fuck oh god <laughs> um because you feel like you're letting people down or you're like you know you're not not you know but i mean and no regrets dude i mean i, I, had, I had a great run i mean I, I did three epitaph albums i did the the pseudo live album that the the, the yeah long ep the the devo comp the you know i did a lot of stuff with that band in that time period in that time frame was there was a lot of stuff a lot of shows and a lot of recordings um so we were busy we were yeah. really busy and we i think we were frustrated we were just like fuck man like why you know yeah what do you gotta do, what do, you gotta do? yeah i was <laughs> i was there for a few of them i remember we we're playing yeah. coney island high high and uh we get out of the van right in front, and there's a guy walking by with an SNFU patch and his jean jacket. Oh, hey, yeah. you coming to the show? He goes, what? Yeah, SNFU, come to see. Oh, they're playing tonight? Yeah, right here. There's a show. <laughs> it's like, this is happening. And I, I, yeah. I could just feel like the whole thing was like, yeah, nobody really is caring as much as they yeah. should be. And it's sort of like one of those things, and I lived through it too with my own musical endeavors, is people, yeah. people, there's a honeymoon time where people are like, this is going to be the best. We're going to, we're going to get you a publishing deal, you know, or something like yeah. that. And we're going to, we're yeah. going to make sure you, you're going to make it. And then, yeah. then they start altering a little bit and changing and the story. I'm not telling about band. I'm talking about labels and managers. They start yeah. sidestepping a little bit and no, and to no fault, they have to give you some sort of like, reassurance of that we got this but really yeah. they're panicking in the background and if yeah. and, and this is and if you sort of put this along the timeline of where brett was with epitaph it kind of yeah. makes sense because the the offspring had just left uh they were like they, they were no longer on epitaph people are starting to drop like down by law was dropped like all these sort of medium level yeah. bands 
that weren't yeah. selling a lot, the lawyers took over because I think Brett went to rehab at one point too, around that oh, yeah. time. Well, it all went to it all went to hell for a little yeah. while. I mean, it, it was. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, that whole epitaph wave was was really when we did Green and Leafy and stuff. They were like uh, all over rancid outcome awards, yeah, yeah, like yeah. the album that's going to break epitaph. And then lo and behold, Offspring yeah. on seven million copies. Right? It's yeah. like whoa. But and and rancid did well too, but not not that well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there was a whole wave that went. Wham! Yeah. Up right around late mid mid late nineties, it started coming apart a bit. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was uh, so there was a wave. It, suddenly, punk rock was everywhere. Right, you could play anywhere. Yeah. You could play any fucking show, any any town. Bands were coming out of the woodwork. It was, uh, and then yeah, there was a dip, and and I think I felt that dip, and I felt like I didn't want to be a part. Uh, I just wanted to get out. Well. The going was good, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. And really, ending uh, ending the, the career with us and a few in in Edmonton um, in front of five thousand people. Yeah, that's Unreal. a crazy show. That story is pretty but amazing. Dad, my dad was there. My family yeah. was there. My, you know what I mean? It was it was yeah. uh, it was just uh, emotional, man. Emotional. Yeah. And you're like, I'm doing the right thing. What, oh, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah, you know. And, uh, but you know what? I look back and I go, you know what? That that was. That was it. That was that. It run. It had run the course for me. Yeah, you know? yeah. And that that whole Edmonton show. I think that was the first time Bad Religion ever played the Prairies, if not Edmonton. Yeah. yeah. And it was at the con convention center, and they just kept opening partitions as they were selling tickets, because yeah. they were like, "Oh, we got a thousand. Oh, we got two thousand. Because I remember um, Mark or Brent calling me saying, "You want to do the show? It's going to be Brent yeah. and Dave's last show. We'll fly you out." I'm like, "Yeah, fuck yeah, I'll do it." It was cold. They kept like, oh my God, we've sold 2,000 tickets. Oh my God, we sold, you know, like just kept more yeah. and more. They just kept opening up parts of this uh, convention center. Yeah. And um, the crazy story is I recorded it. I had, for a while, oh, wow. I had ADATs of that show yeah. that got destroyed. So yeah. in my at my house, they just got, they just fell apart. And yeah. I had that. I had that. And if it was like wow. 15 years, like if I would have done it and been able to, to, digitize it or put it on to, I would have had it on a hard drive. And yeah. that, to me, that's, that's just one of those monumental. For sure, man. Fucking yeah. Shows. And I just kicked myself, yeah. but there's nothing I could do. I mean, ADATs were just such a shitty format anyways, totally but I had did. them, yeah. you know, I had them for a while. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, it, it's, it's amazing with all the stuff that people have uploaded from shows from the nineties and, you know, they're sort of coming, coming out of the woodwork now, mm -hmm. you know, more and more concerts and a few of them. I mean, the sound is just so brutal. Bad, work is brutal but there's a few few good ones and it's cool that at least that stuff is there yeah and it's still, still forever there i can play it for my son I can yeah play, you know uh, you know what is there the sydney boat cruise yeah dude the, the reality is right on the boat it's on there it's you it's you guys playing at the very end i'm yeah it's on youtube Okay, yeah, yeah, you you were you were doing sound. I was that, doing right? sound, and this where the the sound guy threatened to throw me in the water because I was being. I was like, "Hey, man, where's how come this?" Because it was a really, really shitty kind of setup. Uh, it was, it was, it was yeah, mixing yeah. from side stage kind of thing, but um, yeah, that's on. You can find that on YouTube. And yeah, like, it's insane. It's, it's just it's out there, man. You know, yeah. considering I mean, nowadays everyone's filming. Every, you can, you know what I mean. Like the later iterations of SNFU, there's. A million things because everyone's got a phone right you can, you can uh, that might be a check. bad thing though because if think of everybody's got their phones then there's sort of not much of an importance to hang on to it 
or no, to exactly. realize that, hey, yeah. here's the thing, you know, like for me, just my own personal pictures of my kids, it's like, I got to make yeah. sure I don't lose any of this stuff. I got thousands and thousands and thousands of pictures, yeah. which now you used to go to the place and have them developed and then sort of put them somewhere. And Well, you took, you took them. You didn't know. I, I hope yeah. that's good. And you had the four flash bulbs. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I, gra I grabbed, I reached out to Mark Critchley about that SNFU show because he just did little clips of Chai and I'm like, dude, can you send me that whole show? Yeah. And he shot it all on high eight. So it actually sounds pretty good. It's the sound, it's stereo mic on there. And he uh, sent me the whole whole concert. It's one of those shows that's like, it was such fun to watch, man. Because mm -hmm. it was one of those shows, you know when the, the band's just on? Yeah. The band is just on fire. Like it's just capture. Because a lot of time you capture shows and it's like, oh, that was a shitty night. Yeah. <laughs> that night wasn't yeah. great. That or was because loud. there's the pressure of that you are recording it, that it's not yeah. going to be spectacular. Yeah. yeah. But that one came out, and I was like, "Wow, that was child. It was just on fire mm -hmm. that night, mm -hmm. and it made everybody else go crazy too. And it just it, and the band was tight and it sounded good. I'm like, "Wow, I'd love this is like a time capsule for me to yeah to you know what I mean? So really, really cool. Yeah. So after after leaving, I, I you teched with Bad Religion, and then you ended up getting a job at the Vogue or something, right? Where you well, well the, the John Allen, who's our, our um, uh, road manager for Bad Religion. Yeah. We we I go out with Bad Religion on tour and I meet this guy. He's covered in tattoos. He's got the like full kimono tattoos. You know what I mean? Full body. And I'm like, oh, look at this guy. And he's from Vancouver. I'm like, random, <laughs> 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 you know. Uh, and anyways, he he's the technical director of the Vogue Theater. Yeah. And uh, so he's like, hey, you know, in between, again, in these days, you need anything for money, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and he, I'll get you a gig at the Vogue when you when you uh, when you're back in Vancouver. So I did lights at the Vogue. We set up rent there, mm -hmm. show rent, and we did. Uh, who was the Who was the principal? Was it Chad Richardson? Who was the main? Yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I recorded yeah. that guy in the nineties. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We we just set it up, and then I was then we didn't do the run. We just set it all up because yeah. they brought in like the Vogue was not big enough for that. You know, <laughs> we, we bring in like four hundred extra lights and. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so he kind of showed me the ropes of doing theater stuff. And we were, you know, just doing like 42nd Street and like, you know, like these yeah. crazy like. Uh, so anyways, that was another gig that I did for a while. And then I um, ended up in the in the, the film industry, like a lot of people do. And Vancouver. In Vancouver. my friends of mine were working in film and I was like, what is that? What is what, what, what is this job you have? And they're all editors or assistant editors or and I'm like, hey, if anything ever comes up. Let me know because I, I I thought they were they're all doing creative work. It's look cool or making good money. Uh, and a friend of mine calls me up and I was on tour with Bad Religion in like Phoenix and he's like, I got you a job interview, man. And I was like, whoa. So we did it over the phone and I you know I'd never worked in film before. I'd, mm. at least, and you know what's funny at that age because I, I was like 28 years old. I'd never had a computer before. <laughs> really? You know, isn't that funny to think back to that era? Me too. Yeah, so I, yeah, yeah. this was like a job in nonlinear editing, digital editing, uh, all computer based. And they're like, hey, drum tech, drum guy, um, do you want to come be an assistant editor? And uh, so I just, I, you know, kind of lied my way in saying I knew what to do. Got there, learned on the job. Hardest two weeks ever to learn how to do that. Because yeah. you're at that time, you're shooting on 35 mil and you have to digitize it. And then you have to input it into computers and the computers were not the same back then. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was crazy, but I found a real love for editing in there. And it somehow 
related in a lot of ways to playing drums and drums and, and tempo and oh like yeah timing yeah yeah i get it and there's a lot of not that you're editing on the on the beat or anything like that but there's a real pace and you start dropping in music and you start you know so i started doing um on the on highlander i was working on highlander, <laughs> highlander the raven which was uh yeah, yeah. You know, and then we went on to, i was assisting on stargate and you know like shows like that and then uh, i got to become an editor really quickly and then it just you know what i mean i, I don't even know Parts of my life, I'm like, wow, I was doing this, and then a total left turn, and I was doing that. Yeah, you know, and it was great. I mean, it was like uh, I finally kind of found like a gig at home, you know, and I was like, this is great. I'm gonna I'm gonna work in TV now, mm -hmm. and uh, working in post production is not quite the same as production. It's not the same hours. You're not working crazy hours. You're, um, anyways, yeah. So that I, I got into TV and started doing that for ten years. Yeah, and you working with Avid or you were with Final Cut? Well, we started out on Lightworks. That oh, okay. was like, the, you know, and Avid was sort of around a little bit then. And then I went on to went on to Avid, worked on Avid for years, and then we switched over. Uh, I was working on a show called The L Word for Showtime. Yeah, yeah uh, I know that show. Yeah, and we switched to Final Cut yeah. right then, which was like ah, we were yeah. all like editing on Avid with 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 the oven mitts on, you know, because you're like, this is, I got to learn a whole new system. And now I work on Premiere. Yeah, 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 because Final Cut kind of dropped off like about 10 years ago when yeah. they, it kind of looked like Premiere, and then they went and iMovied it, you know, and made it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. my friend who also works, he works on Amazing Race Canada, he's an editor, and he tells, okay. he go, hey, so what do you think of this new Final Cut? And he goes, well, when you go on YouTube and see that 12-year-olds are doing tutorials on how to work it, you know it's over. It's done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally, not, man. It's not good. And, and pre Premiere is basically like you can work in any format. You can do any. Yeah. And it comes with all the other, you know, the Illustrator. Everything's all packaged together. Yeah, I, I had it on here for a while. And now I am I just do Final Cut because I just need simplicity in my life. And yeah. I, I, I really, because I do a lot of live stuff with a band I'll work for. I'll set up like four GoPros and then, yeah. and then sync them and then do like Super. a live cut sort of thing with it. Love it. Love it, dude. It's, I mean, it's, it's, camera technology's come way down. Oh, you yeah. can. You know, the new GoPros with the, the uh, yeah. GoPro 8 or whatever. Yeah. Amazing. The, the stabilization. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, that's my new, this 3D, 360-degree camera is going to be what is going to keep me up at night. Because yeah, the possibilities with this, and this is a cheap one, the possibilities yeah. that people are now that we're all so isolated, all you yeah. need to do is go to Walmart, buy yourself a $14 virtual goggle thing, and, yeah, and, and you will. This will I just I can't even drone, drone cameras and everything, oh, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're like under a grand now. You buy like a killer, you know. So, we, so we use these with work some, sometimes now. We use all sorts of different kit and cameras, and yeah, yeah it's fun, man. There's the tech, tech shit is cool, cool, yeah. And there's you know, there's like Netflix has sort of decided that they've drawn the line about what you can like, you can't do an iPhone movie and put it yeah. on Netflix, you have to have a specific lens or specific sorry a specific uh format so yeah they've sort yeah. of but when when that sort of gets figured out where they can yeah. start doing like real good 4k video on a phone that's going to be what people are going to do they're just going to do things totally. on a level that's just beyond because first of all it just it's their creation that they're they're learning more things like you know how things were when we were like if you're if you're into um uh film you didn't go to tv back in the day yeah. or if you're into 
if you're a recording studio, you would never mix live. Now yeah. everything is just sort of like becoming this all-encompassing learn everything. Yeah. And it's got its good and its bads, right? Like you can be like a jack of all trades and a master of none, or you can just be a well-rounded um person that does things artistically, yeah. you know, be able to create something with your mind's eye and then deliver it. Like to me, that's we're getting oh, there. Yeah. We're getting there. When when I was editing back in the you know two thousands or whatever, all through that, I was an editor. Picture editor. Mm -hmm. That's what you did. There's other people doing graphics and color correction. Yeah. But nowadays, no, you got to do it all. Mm -hmm. You got to do color, you got to do sound, you got to do everything, mix, you got to do the whole thing. But, but that's, yeah, that's just part of technology and trying to keep up with it. And you can do it now. Yeah. You can do it. You can record, like, you can record an album on a laptop. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah. It wasn't even too far a long time ago where you couldn't, you couldn't do this. You couldn't like have like yeah. a, uh, and we're there. We're almost there. There's like a one second delay that doesn't. Yeah. It somehow can fuck the the blend up a little bit, but we're almost there. Like there's there's a software there called Jamulus, which nobody uses. Yeah. It's for bands. But I got on it and I start playing around. The guy came on from Kitchener Waterloo or something, and it was like perfect sound, no, no lag, wow. no delay, no camera. But yeah, it was so. Like, oh my God, like my wife was sitting here watching like some TV and I'm like, oh my God, like this, yeah. <laughs> this is the future. We'll, we'll never have to leave the house again. Yeah, I know. This is amazing. <laughs> I, mean, I, I work from home, right? I, I sit here and I'm able to, you know, my team's in New York and Chicago. Yeah. We've got an office in London, Mumbai. Like I could just video conference yeah. calls, man. You don't have to fly around anybody. Like it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible the shit you can do but you know whether or not we want to just stay home all the time is a different story but of course. it's possible well know. yeah I and mean, obviously work and life is uh, there was a time especially when my parents were parents like my age that both that only the father worked you know what i mean or yeah. whatever the job the mother had was just enough yeah. to keep them in diapers or something you know what i mean it's yeah. just like but there was like now with uh double income families that's the necessity both people yeah. need to work you need to kind of pull it together and so you can have yeah. a life that people want but the next step is is being able to you know maybe this one thing out of this pandemic that's kind of good is that people can sort of understand the quality of life to work yeah. And a lot yeah. of people, like, because I work for a city uh, uh, that's sort of a couple of cities over, but I work and they and they started thinking, well, what are you going to do from home? Well, I'm going to work. Well, yeah. What are you going to do? Well, to do the things I do, but from here, yeah. you know. It changed the dy dynamic of home, what what home means to people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Home is a different thing now. You you need a big office. You need a studio. You need a, you know, I mean, you, you have to have that now. Yeah. It's uh but but I mean it's uh it, it, we we're just going back to when you were talking about quality video quality and stuff uh we we did a I did a doc documentary I don't know if you knew that or not back in like 2013 about contemporary fatherhood it was just called dads oh, and we yeah. shot it all self shot I, I had uh, some dads in Vancouver London New York and it, they just filmed filmed their lives all about you know just new dads or their old dads gay dads whatever mm -hmm. their story was and then i just put it all together it was all shot on on cisco flip cams remember those things yeah they yeah, were just, yeah 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 they were hd and, and stereo mic and everything so they'd done that and we put together this uh me and uh, this friend of mine put together this four, 45 minute documentary shopped it around to all these little networks and they're all like mm, i don't know the quality mm, uh, it's all self-shot right it's all yeah. like before it gets really intimate when people do that and then finally we took it to the cbc and they were like fuck yeah bring it on mm. and they 
did, and we it, it premiered, and it was like 2013. Um, it was a uh, and and it was funny. It's the the big network is the one that went. We don't care with the quality. I mean, it's, yeah. the, the film's great. So that was it. Was a really cool experience too. Just creating a documentary, and then we we uh, licensed that in 17 countries around the world. It was on airplanes. Mm. It was uh, there's 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 the poster of it right there. But, nice, nice. But yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was fun to sort of jump into a whole other film side and and create and um, be you know um, have that done. That 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 film sort of came out of. Um, uh, you, we, we were working in advertising and marketing and seeing how they were still getting it wrong with fatherhood, mm-hmm. the bumbling father who didn't know how to change diapers. Yeah. And we're like, it's changing because we all became dads, yeah. you know? And uh, so we were, uh, let's do a documentary about dads. Yeah. And uh, now you've seen, I mean, there's a bunch of other. The other F word I think came out a little. T- well, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so we, we hit it and I mean, it premiered on CBC Father's Day and then they aired it for seven years on Father's Day. It was great, man. Yeah. It was really Yeah, I think that's the next thing in my life. Like, because I've everything I've done has been audio based, and now I'm slowly getting into video. Uh, Yeah, I'm as you can see, I'm really into 3D printing because I have two. Yeah, Yeah. but I, I really want to get into like my teeth into something that's going to be a nights and weekends thing that that I think can be done, and you know, and it's going to be a band documentary. You know, to to, I'll tell you after we turn the mics off, but I, I really want to work on something that I don't know too much about. And yeah. I think, I think now when it comes to time, maybe I'm being naive because there is a lot to learn. There is a lot to go through. There's a lot of yeah. process. There's a lot of things. There's even how you set up your files. I have no fucking idea what I'm doing, but yeah, but there is like you know people that do it. You know what I mean? That that yeah. I might be able to take something from. The, and my big fear is is that if someone says, oh, I'm going to help you do it, but then they, then the vision is sort of mired by the process. Is yeah. It, I don't oh, want to yeah. do that. No, no, you have to, this dad's thing, I, I cut it. I mean, I, I edited this whole thing together. It's about 80 hours of footage. Really? And it boiled it all down. And I was, I, the whole time, I mean, the thing with making documentaries, you, you don't necessarily know you have anything yeah. until you're in the cutting room. And a lot of documentaries take a turn or they're, you're going down one road, and and great documentaries typically end up ending up somewhere else. Yeah, like that Wilco Wilco docu. Yeah. That's just one of my favorite docs of all time. Oh yeah, exactly right. I mean, so so putting it together. I mean, all you got to do is really have a passion for it, and just. I mean, yeah, there's. I, I mean, I'm not the most organized sort of file organization guy, but but the editing and the telling a story and adding the right score to it and the it's fucking fun, dude. Yeah, going on it. Yeah, and. Just you know, just it's a passion, right? But you're right. If you start bringing in a bunch of other creatives, uh, the the vision can take a different different uh, place, you know. But yeah. you just got to go all Woody Allen on and get Final Cut, man. That's that's that's. I do. I got yeah. it. No, I mean Final Cut is in like. Oh Final yeah, Cut. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that too. Yes, yes. After the studio sees it, he still gets to go back. He gets to go back and do things he wants to do. Like the last cut is for him, you know. Yeah. What I mean? Yeah, and, and to, that is a thing too. As we get a little bit older, we start realizing, like, you know, I really have to appreciate that, you know, our direction, like what we've done, like how where we started, where we're going. And there's a lot of people. I'm sure you can um, relate to this. That they stay in a spot, they get a job, they keep it safe. But when they turn 65, their life is completely opened up. They do things like buy cottages and buy boats and toys and things to keep them sort of happy. Yeah. But I don't, you know, I 
obviously disagree with that technique because we're living life as well as creating, as well as moving yeah. forward in age to the point where we can be happy with ourselves and we can, oh, yeah. you know, and happy with the fact that, well, we've, we've done these things and it's part of who we are. And now here we are moving into the future, into elderly, you know, being yeah. elderly and, uh, and having a, an understanding about the world around us. Cause I don't, I don't know if a lot of people understand that there's other people in the world. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I think our, our generation as well, generation X is like really the first generation to really, really delay sort of, you know, growing up and really extending your adolescence as long as possible. Yeah. Do stuff like I still play music. So I've two drum kits in my living room over here. I've got, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's, yeah, yeah I still wear Orville pack t-shirts. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's like, you know, you just you 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 grow up and you move on to things. But I, I I do agree you you move into new iterations of things and you you still you keep creating. It might be a different different area, but you're uh, yeah you you got to live your life and 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 do being being creative is is the key. You know, mm -hmm. it's not for everybody, but it's for for me. That's that's what's really kept me going and uh and it's been great i mean to this to this day i'm working on producing films and and uh it's it's amazing i mean i'm, I'm so lucky to have this but it's all keeping fresh and keep keep moving challenge yourself make a doc yeah go make it or make a podcast or make a yeah. you know i mean it's uh don't don't try don't sit back uh see what else you can do you know yeah. and now like you said we got all the technology to do all this stuff so yeah why not, right? That's this is a good way to end it, man. I, uh, I, uh, I, yeah. The piece of the puzzle is now fit, and we have. I have all the SNFU members I want, um, and this is this. Uh, you know, maybe we'll somehow put this into like because I have had Brent on twice. I've had yeah, Rob great. on. I've had Mark on once. Once Chai been on, and Amazing. there's just sort of like yeah, and it all, you know, it all kind of comes back to this thing of like. Telling stories and understanding about you know how we how we function in all of this, yeah. So I'm, yeah. I really appreciate you doing it, man. I, I thank you so much, man. This is the first one, first one I've done, I've done for a, for a podcast. I have to do another one coming up, and then I'm doing a radio documentary for CJSR for SNFU uh, coming up. So that should be cool on October second. I'm going to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I felt felt like I did that that just really really quick that Chai documentary. They wanted me to be in that, and I was like, ah, I don't want, I don't want. Yeah, I just did I felt a personal stories. I didn't really want to go there but but anyways this has been a blast dude and um really appreciate it great to see you looking good man yeah you too yeah man and we'll uh still stay in touch all right all right brother dave reese davey boy reese one of my favorite drummers one of my favorite people oh god the things we did the people we met the shows we played the adventures we had Somebody should write a book on. Oh wait, someone already did. Oh gosh, what a what a great episode. What a great dude. So fun to catch up with people. And uh, you know, I forgot to mention this, but the last time I got tried to get in touch with Dave over Facebook was like almost 2006. Like Facebook was brand new, and I was trying to get in touch with him because I knew he was doing video editing. I was trying to get somebody who was working uh, where I worked to try to get you know who lived in Vancouver to get some work. And he, it's funny, he never replied because he wasn't on Facebook. He didn't know what Facebook was. And what brought him back to Facebook was actually Chai's death. So, uh, you know, I guess there's a silver lining behind everything. 
Thanks everybody for listening to the show. Uh, thank you, Dave, for doing the show. Thanks for shopping on Amazon. Amazon. You can also go to apple.ca slash US Amazon. Support the show. Buy some stuff. It's COVID. I don't know if you think it's called COVID out there. It's bad. All right. Next week. See ya. Um, thank you so much again for listening to the show week after week after week. Um, thanks to all those people who listened to that Cones uh, episode. I, I, I see I see it out there. I see it, I see it happened. You know, you get that cone bump, that Sum 41 bump in numbers. And it's... Uh, always satisfying bump no you know it's not the bump I think you think I'm trying to say but it's a bump it's a bump okay everybody see you next week enjoy the week and don't do too much stuff and don't do enough stuff and keep busy okay ta-ta bye